The Bible is full of cultural examples and traditions that are very different from our Western way of thinking and doing, especially when it comes to worship and dress in the church. Are there any principles or help for those to understand these practices that are very different than ours? Welcome to a new season of Consider It, where we consider questions regarding life, theology, and the church. Consider It is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Do you have questions regarding life, theology, and the church? If so, text the word redemption and your question to 830-299-7505, and we will consider your question. To learn more about redemption, you can visit redemption.bible. I'm Michael Hawkins. And I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. Welcome back to Consider It. Today we have another series of questions Several of them. to consider. So reading 1 Corinthians 11, 2 through 16, it's talking about head coverings and if men should uncover heads while praying and women should cover their heads. Are men really dishonoring the Lord when we wear a hat while praying? Should men feel dishonored when their wife prays without a hat? Is it disgraceful for men to have long hair and women to have short hair? This is not saying that women should be going through husbands for prayers to God, correct? There we have it. You have all those questions down? (laughs) There's a whole series of them there, but... We'll kind of walk through them as we... uh, yeah, as Talk we about it as today. we go uh, here, yeah, that'll be be good. And and I appreciate the submission here. One is somebody's reading their Bible and trying to to uh, understand what the text is is saying here. And I think this is really important for us um, as a teachable moment. You know, because at the heart of the issue is what do we make about head coverings? And in just a moment, I I, I want to read the text just so our listeners have it before them. If you're driving or whatever, you're like, wait, what does First Corinthians 11 say? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you do know, and you've talked about it and chewed on it, and and you're wondering what uh, what this is all about. But uh, Paul is referring to this the a cultural tradition of of covering a head, uh, a person's head, particularly while praying. And and so, what are we to make of this particular you know tradition? I think is something we need to cover here, uh, but also just kind of zoom out and consider uh, how we as good Bible students. Uh, come to passages like this when there are practices, you know, particularly when it comes to worship and, and interacting with one another that, that are very different than our modern context, mm-hmm. you know, and we want to be good Bible students, we want to honor the Lord, and so what do we make of things like this? Are there, you know, are there, are there principles, hermeneutical principles that we can uh, abide by to, in order to rightly understand a text and rightly apply a text so that we're walking in biblical faithfulness to the Lord, right? Yeah. I think that's really what we get to the bottom of. So let me read it, and uh, and you can just listen as you go. Uh, this, again, is 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 2 through 16. Paul says, And now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. 
Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covers dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a, dis- it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So that's the uh, that's the text in question, right? <laughs> and uh, and and to, to you know just state from the uh, from the beginning, there's a lot culturally here that I just think we we don't fully understand. Yeah. You know, we can look at. Uh, uh, you know, historical records and kind of see, uh, like, well, what was, you know, what was the ancient practice there in, uh, particularly in Corinth that Paul is writing to? And uh, we can begin to discover that, well, married women seem to wear these, like, shawls over their head, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, it was just a sign to those around others that this was a married woman. Same way, like, we in America, we wear a wedding ring on our left finger that is a symbol to the people around us that we are spoken for. Right. right, and similarly, uh, in those times, uh, uh, prostitutes would shave their head. That's how people would know that they were, you know, uh, uh, a, a prostitute, a woman in that, uh, you know, uh, that whose, whose life was like that. Right. And uh, and so I think that's kind of an understanding here that we glean not necessarily from the text, but you know, from outside sources that help us uh, just understand, oh, okay, if I was a, a somebody in that Corinthian church, that's how I would, you know, that's how I would read that. Right. Um, and yet, even in our hist- understanding historical context, there has to be something uh, a, a deeper at play here, right? Paul is getting to a point in these traditions. He wants them to understand something not merely about hairstyles right or clothing styles you know um that's that's not necessarily what what he's getting at in this text and and this is just like right from the get-go i think we have to embrace this like it is so easy to get caught up in the practice and miss the biblical principle in cases like this Mm. Yeah. We've talked about this in other podcasts and things, you know, to where we get, uh, we can get so caught up in like, well, what do I wear to church? You know, what's appropriate? Should I wear a suit and tie? Do we dress formally? You know, or is it casual? And we can get so caught up even in, you know, here in American church uh, in, in, you know, those exterior things. Yeah. Not that they are unimportant, 
but we can make too much of them and miss the biblical principle that is at play that should be guiding our heart in coming to worship that uh, you know that where our mind should be how we should be thinking about these things and that's really what Paul is trying to do here with the Corinthians more than trying to teach them about like, hey, you shouldn't shave your head or you should or you shouldn't cover and and all that. So lots to untangle in this passage. Even as we read it, you're like, well, no wonder there's like six questions (laughs) submitted because I have six more (laughs) questions (laughs) uh, about it now that you now that you've read it. So, yeah. And I think even as we're looking at this um, in context, Further down, you know, verses 17 and following, you know, he continues by saying, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you come to, together. It is not for the better, but for the worse. Yeah. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. Yeah. And so as Paul's writing this letter, here's the, the Corinth or the church in Corinth that is messed up and really struggling with a lot of things. And so Paul's writing this letter in the context of instructing them on how to live, you know, a new way as the body of Christ. Yeah. And so it appears that there is dissension in the church about what this is to look like these exterior things and and that's where where verse 16 ends he's like hey hey, this is not a dividing issue this this particular one that we're talking about even now as it comes to head coverings is not something that should be contentious amongst the people of god right and why and where we come down to that is well when we all embrace the the biblical principles that are at play here which we'll flesh out here more in a moment these are things that should unite us regardless of how we, you know, choose in our own conviction in which to, you know, to dress or to cover our head. He's like, we, we should be, you know, we, we, our goal is unity. Yeah. And that's what the whole book of, of 1 Corinthians is about. Right. Here is this church uh, that, and there's a uh, body of believers, very diverse, that have come to Christ but are living in a very secular culture. And so he's writing on specific things, how you eat, how you drink, how you view legal matters, how you are married, uh, and, and now to head coverings. And then, you know, later in chapter 11, how we take the Lord's Supper and all that. And at the, at the core of it, he's trying to bring us back to the biblical principles outside of the traditions and, 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 the, and the, the secular influences upon the, the believers there, and he's bringing them back to. And so it's just like chapter yeah. after chapter, section after section, where, and one of the repeated things is like, well, all things are permissible, but is it beneficial? Right. That's as he slides that in. Yeah. And I think even as we're having this conversation, for those who were saved, like currently listening, who are saved at a young age, are probably going to have a, a harder time understanding this, but those who are saved later in life and just recognizing the dynamics of kind of living a new life in the midst of your existing life. Yeah. Like, I think these things begin to, to be a little bit more uh, familiar Yeah, and like, okay, like how do I live now? Like this is all we've known. And now, I've been given a new heart. I'm a new creation and I have to live differently in the midst of my context. Yep. And I f- feel like we're seeing that in, in this. In, and so right. Uh, right. we can begin to relate. Oh, what does it look like now to live as a Christian? Yeah. 
Because what he's getting at here, and, and really the principle at play, is uh, there's to be distinction um, amongst God's people, but not division. Yeah. And, and there's a distinction in multiple ways. We live distinct from the world around us. Uh, and that's always been the case for God's people from the very get-go. Right. When, when he called Abraham to go and live, uh, Noah before that, everybody all in every era, God's people have always lived distinct from the world around them had a different ethic and how we, you know, how we live our lives, how we treat other people down to the, you know, the most intimate details, how we view, you know, sexual uh, morality, how we, uh, how we eat and take care of our bodies and all those things. God's people have always lived distinct from the world. That's right. Set apart. It's to be set apart. That's true. Right. That's great. And, and but there's also a distinction within his created order. What he's getting at here yeah. that we have to embrace. There is distinction between man and woman, and even that, especially in our day here in America, is is not popular. Yep. You know they're trying to you know blend all this and you know in how we dress and how we think and the whole trans phenomenon that is uh, uh, overtaking our you know our culture our society right now and trying to blur those lines and have you know multiple uh, uh, identities or you know sexual identities or gender and sexuality biology all you know can be different and things and and yet the Bible doesn't prescribe that no in fact like we see here it's equal yeah yet distinct correct and you know just even as we kind of read in here if you do this men then you are dishonoring yeah women if you do this you are dishonoring which insinuates that both of them are called to to bring honor right right we're we're all called to be honorable, created in the image of God, right? To to bring honor to Him by the way that we live and walk in obedience. Yeah. And so there's a a unity, there's a an equality there that they're both expected to live the same way. That's right. Yeah, that's well said. Because, see, that's the, the kind of the first principle that he's getting at here is distinction is by God's design, and distinction does not mean. Here's the second principle: like distinction does not mean unequal. Right. As a matter of fact, like they're in within the the distinction now is the opportunity to bring honor to the other person. Because that's that's really what he's what he's getting at here is how do we honor uh, uh, those uh, within the let's just say for lack of a better word the hierarchy that he is describing here from God's created order because there's another principle here that the at the very beginning that everybody submits to somebody that's what he's getting at when he's calling it the head mm-hmm. a head a head here the the Greek word kephale is a is a is is a, a word that denotes authority. And now I know even that is not a popular concept in our day today. We rebel against authority. Authority is bad. Authority is out to hurt us. Authority impinges upon our rights and all that. And But that's also not just what we see in the Bible. Godly authority is for our good. Yeah. Bad authority, yes, is, is can harm us. Uh, but even that, we are ultimately under the authority of God. And so good authority 
godly authority is by God's design for our good. Everybody submits to somebody, even Christ. Christ submitted to the Father, was sent to, uh, to, to, to earth, what we're celebrating now at Christmas time, yeah. not against his will. He submitted willingly, yeah. not unwillingly, not begrudgingly. He didn't just take one for the team in the, you know, in within the Trinity and was like, okay, well, I drew the short end of the stick. I <laughs> guess I will go. No, he came willingly in submission to the Father according to the plan of God by God's their design from the very beginning before time began to come and to humble himself, putting on human flesh putting himself in, you know, in the hands of other humans to be cared for as an infant baby where he could not care for himself in that. And all along the way, you know, lived that human life straight to the cross, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, Hebrews 12 says. And, and like, that's, when we see submission and headship in light of that, that, that isn't like some doormat, subservient, slave-like position. For the Son of God did this willingly and joyfully. It's actually a place of honor. That's right. Uh, it's the pathway to exaltation. And so even when we see that they're in marriage, or in God's design of man and woman, there of, you know, the head of the man, or the head of man is Christ, and the head of a woman is is her husband, is man. That is a beautiful picture of God Himself, and particularly in marriage, a humbling spot for a man to be in, knowing like, man, who am I? I know my sin, my brokenness, and that God would entrust uh, uh, this woman to me, and now I'm called to sacrificially lay down my life. Like that's a massive responsibility. Mm. Yeah. And vice versa, for the woman to uh, to humbly, joyfully submit to a broken, sinful man is a is a very humbling, uh, though rewarding thing from the Lord, uh, in in demonstration of Christ-like submission to the Father. Yeah, and one of the the beautiful things about this, as the man models Christ in leading just as Christ is the head of the church the man is you know the head of his wife and is to sacrificially love and then the wife is modeling Christ in the submission to the father and so when we come together as husband and wife and we're both modeling these aspects of Christ together we begin to model the fullness right. of Christ and it's just the beauty of the gospel and how God has designed that, that I just, I love to, to think about, um, just in the way that when we rightfully carry out these, these roles that God has designed that yep. together equally, we're reflecting the wholeness of Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we do that, that's where unity is preserved, yeah. where there is no contention because we're not clamoring to be the other person. Or we're not, you know, going against God's design and therefore, you know, 
gumming everything up. Like he designed the engine this way, and so it's like we're gonna get like the engine works when it runs as designed. But if we're like, eh, you know, I I know he designed me, you know, as a piston, but I'm gonna act as you know as one of the pulleys or something like yeah. like that. It doesn't work that way, and it actually causes a lot of like it. It's, it I mean, it just breaks down. Yeah. And and so when we operate by God's design, it's actually for our good and it preserves unity within marriage, but also like what the text is referring to within the church. Sure. Yep. Because there is a there is an order, there is a design, there is godly authority that exists within the church. And so when they're talking about praying and prophesying here, you know, maybe prophesying in the sense of like foretelling future events, most likely in the foretelling of truth, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a proclaiming uh, 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 such a way, like thus says the Lord, in a teaching in that way. And and here's the reality: like God has given a an order for that, a design for within the church and how that should happen. But everybody, it is not like the authority of the senior pastor or whatever you know, that that is in view here. It is when everybody is coming within view of our submission to the headship of Christ, to His design for how the church operates and the purpose of worship and going vertical and bring doing all things to the glory of God. And as we do so, we are serving one another. We ourselves are growing, but we are serving uh, and uh, spurring one another on to love and good works. You know horizontally interconnectedly like that and when we are do when we do that when we come with a heart of submission to the headship of Christ and and we are following his good design embracing the distinction you know not clamoring for a, a role that is not yours or uh, you know is outside of God's design then we do so with with order and honor to to the Lord and that's really what he's getting at here in the discussion on head coverings, because uh, how how then we dress and what we do on the outside is reflective of our heart. Right. And in a way of doing that, it's like, okay, a woman can cover her head to show that her heart is submitted before the Lord. Um it is not a requirement here. It is not the only way, you know, that uh, that uh, that a woman can demonstrate that in the context of worship. But it is one of the ways, and it was a very uh, poignant demonstration of that in that culture, where it seems to be like from the historical understanding, where that's how they would demonstrate that I am a married woman and I am submitted to this man, um, or I am living outside of God's design uh, for you know for sexuality and and uh, you know human flourishing mm-hmm. as an uh, an immoral woman and so so it's it's really getting at the heart here i think of of our understanding less on okay is it you know like you know is there a scenario could a man have his head covered and all that but still be submitted to the lord absolutely you know um and vice versa you know but it bears discussion you know here are we what is the intention of our heart am i just well am i as a man am i wearing a hat you know in rebellion to you know to the culture around me to the lord and all that stuff was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa time <laughs> yeah like if i'm just trying to stick into the man i don't care what anybody else thinks then uh you know time out time out let's uh let's do some self-reflection there right wanted to go back just as you were talking about order and and god's design um, I was just reading through the passage here again, and um, you know, verse eleven it says, "Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman." 
For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And so just even as we're thinking about God's design and order and the equality, and just to see, like, and like Paul is really, he's looking back and appealing to creation yeah. in this to say, hey, like, see what God has done here. Like, we're interdependent on right. one another. It's not you or you. It's not I have authority and you have to submit. There's this this interplay here of the interdependence that we have on one another and, and just the beauty of that is, yeah. is really helpful yeah that's a that's a great observation from the text of just like how god has brought all things around you know so one time in the history of all human creation uh, a woman came from man eve being born or, you know or god creating eve out of the rib of adam's side and ever since then <laughs> that was one time we got guys ever since then man has come from the womb of a woman you that's know right. and uh and and all part of God's beautiful design in uh, in this, you know, pointing us back to creation, God's design, God's good design in all of this. And we, we need to see that clearly and not let the external practice of this, these traditions, mm-hmm. the historical culture of this text or our own present, you know, cultural traditions obscure our understanding of what God, what God is getting at in, in the midst of all this. Yeah. And so one of the questions in that is, how do we distinguish between cultural commands or, you know, cultural things versus these biblical principles? Yeah. And um, I think one of the ways that is helpful yeah. is to to look through Scripture and to, to think three things. Yeah. One, did Jesus teach on this thing um okay and answer yes or no right yeah in this case he did not talk about head coverings that's right read through jesus life in the gospels he did not mention it that's right and so the next one do we see it in the book of acts in the early church was it a command of the early church that distinguished their you know separation their being set apart yeah in this case we don't see that in the book of acts that the church was called to, to wear or not wear head coverings. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, do the epistles teach on it? Yeah. And in this case, we see one time that it's brought up as Paul is, you know, initiating a, a teachable moment with a specific yeah. church, right? Right, right. Getting to the heart, and, and I like that. That's well said. It's, it is a teachable moment for this church of a biblical principle. Right. Yeah. Paul's using this to help get to the heart of how they did not have a biblical viewpoint on the distinction that Christians are to have between the world and 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 following Christ. The, the distinction between man and woman. They did not have a biblical viewpoint on how to honor and dishonor the Lord and one another. And uh, and and they did not have a biblical view on submission and authority and headship, and so he's using this. Hey, here's case in point, you know, an external indicator of an internal thing going on here. Yeah, and it's interesting too. There's kind of a wordplay going on here, right? You you're talking about the the meaning of head, yes. right? And so he's talking about headship and authority, and then he goes into head, head coverings. coverings and things, and so there's. 
a sense there's a wordplay going on and it's like mm-hmm. we're talking about this and then here's a way that it's right you know externally like kind of modeled yeah, if you will. Uh, yeah. here's here let me just show you reveal to you Hart, and he's he's very clever in how he's writing like that and so uh but i really like that uh, kind of three-pronged test that you gave there because that's that's really helpful i think for any whether it's head coverings like this or any sort of uh, practice or tradition that we see uh, in particularly in the New Testament and should we follow the same kind of practice mm-hmm. you know uh, as something that is normative for our worship or normative for our life um, that's that's a really great you know great test because you can also add a hermeneutical principle is there is it referred to in creation you know is this like a binding something binding all the way along and and different than like like he's going back to the created order and he's using that as a teachable moment or is saying like this is a direct implication for it in this you know practice is he using is creation there is it tied back to creation and god's god's good design does jesus mention it is it in the book of acts and does the you know does is there a verse in the epistles that command it you know because that's also uh uh, really helpful for us too are these commands or are they just examples yeah uh, because there are a lot of narratives or stories or examples in our Bible that we're not meant to uh, to, to follow. They are mm-hmm. not commands. They are they are merely descriptive and uh, not prescriptive. Yeah. Meaning they are not prescribing uh, uh, an action, an attitude, or something like that to faithfully follow the Lord. They're just describing the culture. They're describing something that is happening. And there's lots in the book of Acts that is described that is not meant for us to follow. Yeah. There are lots of bad examples all throughout the Bible right. of people that were like, okay, no, no, that's not good. But how do we know that? Because somewhere else it has been given as a command or it's been prescribed to us as the way of faithfully following the Lord. And, uh, and so this is just another one of those texts that we have to come to um, and uh, and and try to get to the heart of all right. Well, what's what's being said? Where is it? You know, because we don't see Jesus talking about it. We don't see it uh, uh, prescri- prescribed, nor even described in the Book of Acts in the early church. Um, here we just see it as a teachable moment. So it appears to be non-binding on our practice today. That right. Christians, you know, who are trying to faithfully follow the Lord. Um, you know, men have head uncovered and women's head covered in the same way, but the principle still applies for us. There's still distinction. There's still the command to honor. There's still the principle of play of of uh, of submission to you know to our head to our authority here, and that's really what he's getting at. And then how you choose to uh, to live that out. That's really where you, I think it comes down to, well, what's, where's your conviction in this? Yeah. You know? And if you read this and you're like, uh, you know, and you're a woman and you say, you know what? I think I should put a shawl over my head when I come to church on Sunday. Okay. You know, like if that's for the Lord and that's something that you can do, that's just a visible demonstration, you know, to your own heart, like, okay, I'm coming because I know that my tendency could be to just want to do whatever I want to just speak up, to be outside, you know, to cause, to bring, uh, you know, recognition to myself or whatever it might be. And in order to remind myself that I am under authority to my husband, I'm under authority to the Lord. And, uh, and this is something, 
you know, you have the freedom to do that. Yeah. You're not required to do that. If you don't do that, it's not as if God is going to be uh, upset at you and strike you down, you know, while you're singing songs or, right. you know, in the time of prayer during, during the service, uh, unless you are, you know, coming in with a rebellious heart. And even then, like, you know, it's God is mercy is so kind that he's not going to just like strike you down or whatever. But, uh, uh, but, but you can, you can do that. But also you need to, to, to check your heart that you're not taking it too far and now making this a requirement of every other woman in the church and now uh, passing judgment, whether outwardly or even in your heart, on them as you know insubordinate uh, to the Lord and to their husbands. Yeah. Okay, this, this is not a matter to, be, to bring contention in your own heart or into the people you know within the, the larger body the people of God yeah because what's interesting about this is you could also be doing this with a disobedient heart yeah. because the whole idea is that we're not drawing attention to ourselves that we're trying to to walk humbly um, giving our attention back to the Lord and so if you think oh well I'm gonna wear a you know a shawl to, to church now and your heart is that people will look at me and think that I'm more holy or I'll look at myself and think, Oh, well I'm more holy than, then you're doing it for the completely wrong reason. Yeah. So our outward expressions can demonstrate, you know, in air quotes, um, mm-hmm. our holiness, um, when in fact we're actually doing it in right. rebellion, you know, right. and just thinking that, you know, when Jesus was asked, you know, the greatest commandment, you know, it's like to love the Lord your God and to, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And it's yeah. the, the two great commandments there. And so then taking these concepts and trying to figure out how they work yeah. um, within that, right? Right? Are we doing this to love God and to, to walk in obedience? Are we doing this with a heart posture that is, still loving and caring for others? Are we carrying around judgment and, you know, self-righteousness in our hearts because yeah. we're doing something? Yeah. It's it's possible to appear outwardly righteous and be inwardly rebellious. Yeah. A la the Pharisees. Yeah. And Jesus had the, his strongest words uh, in his earthly ministry for them. And we can, in matters of modern dress in the church, become very pharisaical. In all of that, on both ends of uh, the spectrum, and uh, not just in head coverings, but in how we dress. You know, is it, you know, is it overtly sinful if a man were to walk in in shorts and flip flops? You know, for somebody to preach with a hat on or something like that. Well, not necessarily, unless their heart is like, well, I'm going to stick it to the man. I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to rebel against the culture and all that. And it's like, no, that's just provoking contention, yeah. which is what's in view here. <laughs> like, that's not what we do. That's, these are not the things that we take a stand on. Yeah. What I can or cannot wear to church. We take a stand on biblical principles. We take a stand on the gospel, not on these external things that, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that, our cultural that have cultural influence on them and all that there might be a, a, a you know an island culture somewhere in the tropics where that is what people address you know they're barefoot and 
and in shorts and a tank top or whatever and wear a head covering because the sun's out and and they're trying to protect their their head from you know getting sunburn and having skin cancer and all those things and you know that would be a very appropriate you know cultural thing and if you came in wearing a suit and tie and all that stuff you would stick out like you know and and you know so there is just a sensibility about the culture around us that is getting to the meaning the biblical principle and things like this that we really have to grapple with and that's hard you know because we're gonna have to wade through it all and and peel back the layers in order to get there and understand it and just to you know to reiterate it again that's where i think you're the you know, the hermeneutic principles that you brought up and that we discussed are, are super helpful in matters in matters like this. So, um, but that's our that's that's our goal, right? Our goal is unity. Should be in the church, anyways, right? right? Yeah. Um, the unity that exists within the Trinity uh, should exist here within the people of God. It's the place that we start from, and so as Paul tells the Ephesian church there in Ephesians 4 to uh, to maintain it, you know, to maintain the unity that uh, is the starting place uh, within the within the church and within uh, our marriages. And so we have to be eager to maintain that unity and the bond of peace because everything in the world is wanting to, um, and everything within our flesh, everything around us is wanting to divide, to destroy, to diminish the distinction and the honor and the authority that uh, that that God intends in His good design. Yeah, and I think just that idea of unity—that's going to be the distinction that sets the church apart from the world. As we become more and more polarizing, even within our distinctions in the church, depending on you know political beliefs and all of these things, when we can come together in unity. In the midst of our differences, that is what is is really going to be what sets the the church apart as we just continue to live in a culture that becomes more and more isolating and, and polarizing. Right. And so we just we live amongst each other in grace, recognizing that God has brought us together to to learn and to grow and to you know, to shape one another when we live with each other in grace and allow that process to happen, we all become transformed into the image of Christ. That's right. That's right. And that's what we're after. Yeah. Right. And that's, the, it, it's in the moments like these, these teachable moments, that is the playing field where those, uh, um, or is the classroom to stay with the same, uh, illustration there. This, this is the classroom where those lessons are learned and where these are really lived out. Um, all to the glory of God, and that's what we want, and um, and uh, to have good discussion and to wrestle through what is the Bible teaching here and not just draw lines in the sand about somebody's holiness or righteousness or maturity based on what they are or are not wearing, but rather to love one another well, to have these discussions and really get to... Um, get to the bottom of of what god is uh, designing and how we can love one another really really well in these moments thank you for joining us today on this new season of consider it ministry of redemption bible church in new Braunfels, texas we welcome your questions regarding life theology in the church you can submit these questions by texting the word redemption and your question to 830 299-7505. To learn more about redemption, visit us online at redemption.bible. Thank you for listening. Our aim each episode is to be truthful and helpful. 
to the glory of God. Join us next time on Consider It.